So unfortunately, there wasn't enough time for a photo opportunity. Oh, Nancy's pretty good. Oh, wonderful woman. We're uh, very happy to... These are, uh... Oh, those are Mr. Lebowski's children, uh, different so mothers, to speak. Huh? No, they're not. Racially, he's pretty cool. <laughs> they're not literally his children. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers, inner city children of promise, but without the necessary means for a necessary means for a higher education. So Mr. Lebowski is committed to sending all of them to college. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. Fire out. I think he's got room for one more. One, uh... Oh! <laughs> you never went to college. Please, that, oh, yeah. don't yeah, touch no, that. I again. did, but, uh, you know, I spent most of my time um, mm. occupying various administration buildings, uh, mm -hmm. smoking a lot of Thai sticks, <laughs> breaking the ROTC, you know, bowling. <laughs> Tell you the yes. truth, Brian, I don't remember most of it. Oh. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Stoner bowling movie, period piece, western. Providing insight. Why is the half and half everywhere? It was open. Commentary. Got my half and half in the bowling ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Did they have bowling in the Old West? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now... Gutterballs! We're not gonna argue over spilt milk, are we? I hope not. Hey, why would you? What milk has spilt? Well, the milk in the toilet is technically half and half, I suppose. Yes. But that did spill. And we did what? argue about it a little bit, perhaps. Did we? We may have... I, may, may have. About the drips. I think the drips caused a bit of... A bit of, uh... Arguing, perhaps. We interrogated it. <laughs> yes. So, we're here in the second minute of Brant. Minute two of Brant. Brant's second minute. Another yes. whole minute of... Brant, getting to know Brant. Getting to know all about Brant. Yes, and watching, so watching this clip multiple times here, the thing that really struck me, and it's not necessarily anything about the movie per se, but just Philip Seymour Hoffman, or P. Hoff, as I may right. call him, is young. P.S. Hoff. P.S. Hoff, it's like, yes. It's like the end of a end of a letter to a 80s television star. Exactly. Well, you know, we have to specify P.S. Hoff. Because otherwise, P. Hoff, people will think we're talking about Philip Hoff, the American <laughs> or, or politician Hoff. from the U.S. state of Vermont, where he served as the 73rd governor of Vermont from 1963 to 1969. Well, the fact that you know that extemporaneously is fascinating but i think that that could only improve the podcast honestly if we were talking about p hoff probably not did you know himself. that at the time of his election he was the first <laughs> democrat elected governor of vermont in 108 years had there been a democrat 108 years before that or was that just when like they were around man um how long's he been serving that that's a that's a good question 
Well, he was just governor from 63 to 69. So. 63, 108 years before that. So what? 1855. 1855. Man. But he was governor of Vermont around the same time the dude was uh, vac- occupying various administration buildings, smoking a lot of tie sticks, breaking into the ROTC, bowling. When did he, when did he leave? 69. I suppose he would have been, huh? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it could years. have been. It could have been early '70s. The dude, because he was probably on like the eight to ten year plan. True. Hmm. But yeah, probably so. Probably so. So I mean, obviously they had. Uh, what was he a senator? You said. Well, Pihoff? Well, no, Pihoff was a, a governor. Oh, governor. Although he was also, I mean, governor of Vermont. I guess is his big claim to fame. But he was in the. Vermont legislature previously. It was in the Vermont House of Representatives. I mean, Vermont's been around since at least, like, the 20s. Right? Eight, 19, like, 28, 30. Probably. 50s? I mean, definitely not the 60s. Maybe 68. They've been around for more than 40 years, right? The, the state of Vermont? Yeah, state of Vermont. Yeah, they've been around for a while. A while, like 50 years, maybe. Yeah, probably more. I think Even it's like 500. That's I a think long time. I mean, I think, that's longer than I've been alive. I think it'd be like 500. Shit. So, like, from the year, like, 200. No. That's yes. Dumb. 1,500 from the year. Yeah. That's a long time. Yep. But... But seriously, when did they? When were they founded? 1777. Look at it. I looked it up. Well, Vermont, was that one of the original 13 colonies? I was inclined to say so. Yes. Pihoff saw combat during World War II aboard the submarine USS Sea Dog in the South Pacific. Uh, it was not one of the original 13. So. How about that? Shoot that You learn something every day. Our ignorance is on display big time today. <laughs> glaring, we, glaring ignorance, blinding, blinding We care for ignorance. nothing. <laughs> we know nothing. We care for nothing. The USS Sea Dog, SS-401, AGSS-401, was a that's really fascinating. You know, that's really submarine. fascinating. But I... Allow me to talk about the movie just for a second. All right, for a second. I don't have to just—I don't have to do it for long, but just let me. Yeah, let's hear a little bit. bit sure. Just a little, little, teep, little snippet. I w- listen to this minute this week, like without watching it. Okay. It's like three or four times. I just did a no picture. Just close my eyes. Just listen to it. And then I did the same thing, but unplugged the headphones and just looked at it. And that was... Fascinating. Yes. Telling and fascinating. That is... I think that should be part of our standard checklist from now on. Like, we're preparing. We need to to watch it together, watch it separate. Watch it just with sound together, or listen to it just with sound together, watch it just with picture together, do it individually. Yeah. Right, all together You just have a checklist. (laughs) All together now. Well, Everything. The one thing that I, 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 well, I'm curious. Okay, you go. Tell me, because there are some definitely visual things I noticed that I never noticed before. You know, watching this a little closer. I didn't get 
too much from the visual except that, number one, in the ongoing quest to ruin Lebowski, I believe I do see a um, silk or a reflector of some sort reflected in the Urban Achievers plaque, you know, community center, and it's the little Lebowski Urban Achievers. Mm-hmm. In There's which a close angle? Up there. Uh, it's the dude's close-up. And if you look along the right side of that framed plaque... So this is photo, the dude basically. facing Brant. Brant is on the left side, dude is on the right side? That's correct. Okay. The dude is looking at the Urban Achievers Award. Along the right side of this framed plaque, you can see... A reflection and things look startlingly close to it and I, I'm not sure what that would even be I, I understand the wall behind yeah, it yeah I see the wall octagonal so it's got a bit of oh. an angle there but you see those those things there yeah like it's on the left side of the picture square it almost looks like a com- to me it looks like a, almost like a computer monitor like it's bright yeah it's weird it's like bluish tone. That's what I guess makes me think like monitor or something. But yeah, there's something going on there. That's probably just the daylight coming in because they're shooting on. Well, well, who knows? They're probably yeah. shooting on tungsten. Well, are you know. sure it's a reflector? I mean, we're mentioning daylight. Is it just a window, right? There's just a window opposite. And even it if just, it is a reflector, it's still like you could just, you know, how it could just be a window. At the same time, like, okay, this reflector got in the shot, but it just could be a window, right? It could be. It could be. If you check out the reverse angle, though, so now we're looking at Brant's face, and we're mm-hmm. behind the dude. Yeah. Brant's on the left, dude's on the right, still. Right. Um, and you can see, this is at 11 minutes, 27 seconds. Um, so now we are essentially eliminating any potential for that uh, next angle of the wall with the other plaques on it, the other next side of the octagon or whatever the 22 degree angle, whatever that is. In theory, we should be eliminating any chance that those are now reflecting in the glass on that plaque. Considering the angle the camera is looking at that plaque and the angle the other plaques are to it, you shouldn't be able to see a reflection of those. I mean, they're basically in parallel almost. Right. And we're on an angle to it. Well, yeah. And the ref- but you see what I'm talking yeah, about down the you- right side. It's a long white, what have you there? And there's two plaques. So if it was the plaques, the other plaques, you'd see that break. Right. We don't see that. Yeah, it's not the other plaques. I mean, my mind is trying to figure out could it somehow be that wall, right? That comes out at an angle, somehow like that wall. Like I'm trying to imagine the- in my head, right? Angles. You'd think the plaques would get in the way of that. No, I don't think the plaques would, but, I mean, yeah, it's a little funky. It's a little funky. And I think it's like a big soft silk. Because this, I thought, well, no, it's just, like you said, a window or some, like, column in the background or, you know, piece of a wall. But if you look at, and I'm still looking at Brant now, the lighting on his face... And there's a moment 
at, actually I rewound just a little bit to 1109, 1109, 1110, and this is, this is the kind of invisible shot, or invisible production value, whatever you want to say, that makes a great movie. Left side's a little darker, mm -hmm. but but man, that is pretty. It's just enough to give it some texture, and it's not the left side of his face, our right, his left is not like deep set in shadows or anything. So it's like that they they had to do that, you know. They didn't just open the shades and say it's perfect. Let's shoot that nice like soft lighting on his face. And there's no, they can't get any light. They can't get a light between him and the wall there. Maybe above a little bit, and that would come and fill in. But it's impressive to have that soft a wash. And that's what they were going for, because it's a study, and the one side is just a bank of windows. It's just an, it's nicely lit. And it's something, it's kind of like invisible editing or a really good sound design really good sound design, you shouldn't notice it. And this is an example of not noticing the lighting. It's just really good. I, I spend my time tearing them down. I'm spending a minute building them up. It's a nice, nice little scene lighting-wise. You spend your time tearing down lights? Tearing down the Coen brothers. Uh. For like, you know, background extras flipping around and Right. Traveling faster than the speed of light and reflections and bowling balls. I mean, what I was looking at, like if you go to, for example, 1102. 11, do you right have, do you have technology to do that? I do. I sure do. I'm going to go there now. How's that sound? Sounds good. Like in, the, in that uh, little Lebowski Urban Achievers picture. Like, there's all kinds mm -hmm. of reflection right there. And that's yes, I what I was talking about, the blue. Oh, that's what you're talking about. That's what I was at first talking about till I got hip to what you were talking about. But, I mean, even there, oh. you can see, like, clearly on the right side, it is... It's, it's the it's, wall. It's the wall and plaques where there should not be reflections of wall and plaques. But it's a, clearly a reflection of wall, of a wall, on of the right wall, side. Now on the left side, that blue-ish, like, square. That looks like a monitor. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It looked like a monitor, right? Right. Like the video feed coming off the camera. I mean, it could be a window opposite where they are. Yeah. Or I mean, you... we see the other side of this room in the next minute, so... Huh. Yeah, I didn't notice that. That's a good one. I'm not usually one to catch things in reflections. And I actually didn't catch this till I started framing through with this discussion, but... Boy, that's... Now, you'd think if that was the monitor, like the crew, the director is looking at, you'd see, you know, a la Bob from Twin Peaks, like somebody turned their head or like somebody moving around. Well, okay. So if you look at, I don't know, it's not gonna look the same to you, but if, so I'm at 1102, I can't say what frame I'm at, but if you look at those little Lebowski Urban Achievers, there is mm -hmm. like, 
this is it's just like kind of like you know your mind plays tricks but there is a face kind of like a 70s mustachioed kind of like hollow notes type of guy <laughs> in there kind of peering at you like you know and if you look close like the head there's like a child to the left second from the left and like her head kind of makes the guy's like mustache and then her eyes are kind of like his the, his bottom lip then above that there's I don't know what other now other markings making eyes and eyebrows and a big fro. It's you're coming creepy. to these conclusions based upon looking at a frame. Yeah, it's though. a certain like frame. A frozen. Well, it's, so I I beseech you to. I was about to get on board. No, with it's this, there so the I'd whole rewind. time. Like as you just watch, eleven oh two to like eleven oh five. It's just there. You got to rewind. You got to rewind, and only look at that that reflection. Rewind to like 10.55, Oh, now we're going out of the bounds, but all right. I'll allow it just this once. But over, it's a shot that overlaps the minute. I think we can do it. Now, so the camera is like, you know, dollying along. It's like trucking along, and it's kind of going out on an arc and panning to the left. And you can see the reflections of the wall, and I don't know where this wall's coming from, but... You can see that blue monitor area come perfectly into focus, and there's no one around it. Yeah, I don't know where there's reflection, but now there's one below it, too. Right, it's like It's like a plaque plaques. on a wall, and that plaque is just shiny. But, yeah, the top one is, like, glowing blue. But it's like we can see the reflection of the stuff to the right of it, the plaque. I know. And with the I angle, I, I don't understand how it's possible. I don't either. What, like, did they put... Did they put up a little... They just really wanted a reflection of other plaques in There's there? There's just and they, something... I, I think we're just seeing that somehow through some property of optics and reflection that we don't understand. Or it's like an illusion. Like, in the shot, it doesn't seem like that well, stuff can be that close or there at that angle, but somehow in reality it is. Maybe, I, I uh, maybe that... You know what it is? I've got it. I think I've got it. I've got it. The plaque itself, the community center plaque, mm -hmm. it is angled, so imagine the x-axis running uh, left to right across the screen, and the y-axis running top to bottom across the screen. Yes, screen. Uh, yes. It yes. is rotated, the left side is rotated towards us on the y-axis. Look at that, you can even see there's a shadow behind the top left corner, and you can kind of see, like, it may be angled away so that we wouldn't see the crew there. And that's why we don't see the dude's reflection in it. And that is why we do see all the stuff to the right of it. Correct. They angled it away. Right. Mystery solved. That was some good <sighs> piecing it together there, Adam. I give you mad props for that, but you're right. That's what's happening. Yeah, but it's somehow so subtle you don't notice it. Well, how long did we just try to figure that out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's some good stuff going on there. So I wonder, in Brant's reverse shot, did they angle it the other way, maybe? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because you can see his reflection of his shoulder when he's just standing there, and he's like two feet away from it, very close to the wall. You shouldn't be able to see yeah. that. So they did the same trick in reverse for this shot. Somewhere, somewhere back there, there are cameras. 
you know, crew, yeah. and they're just all yeah. They, as he leans must in, to very point, still. Is sorry, yeah. As he leans in to point at the plaque, he, his face comes into it. Like yeah, it's his face. Yeah, but it, oh, look at that. Yeah, they angled that bad boy. As it goes on, you can see the right side of it. Yep. There we go. There we go. Wow. So, I feel like we just uncovered a mystery of the universe. We solved the mystery of the universe. That is it's extremely say. satisfying. It's extremely satisfying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's better than seeing a silk or a light in the reflection. Much better. Much better. It's a gold star. Yeah. I don't know what's better, them angling that so you didn't see the whole crew in the reflection or us figuring out that they did that. That's a toss-up. I would agree. And that's probably why he doesn't have his sunglasses on, too. That's annoying shooting with sunglasses, probably. You see everything. All close-ups. If somebody's wearing sunglasses, it's like you see all the reflections. What I noticed when I listened to it without watching it is... They do a lot with um, levels, just with levels. When we first come into the minute, uh, Brant's you know, ushering him along, showing him these uh, meaningless plaques. But as it cuts back and forth, when we cut to... All right, so when we're intimate on them and it's like, Close-up of the dude, close-up of Brant, close-up of the dude. Their levels are pretty much the same. Are you speaking we, audio levels here? This is, this is audio. Just audio. We cut to the two-shot of them, and the levels go down. They're softer, and there's more echo. Now, if they're booming this, that, you know, it wouldn't sound any different. If they're looping it, it, wouldn't, it would be the same. That's a sound designer going in and, like, so think about that. Every time the focal length of the camera changes or they're closer or farther away, they have to affect their audio to reflect. Or maybe they don't. Maybe in crappy movies they don't. But Or is it simply, do they... I mean, with each shot, so is the focal length... I don't know if it's a focal length change as much as just the camera is put in a different position. right. So every time they set up a new shot with a camera in a different position, that's an opportunity then to change the sound somehow to match. Theoretically. But you're going from a close-up to this two-shot, the boom can be in the same place. It doesn't have to move. You know, it's going to be right above them. Or it's being looped and they're recording it after the fact, which that would be even more impressive. It's the details. That's what I'm saying. It's that's one of those little details that you could probably get away with not doing. So I'm going to circle back now. Okay. If you do not mind, I, I, don't I mind. wanted to talk about how do I the mind? what I noticed here visually. And it's not necessarily a technical note, but Philip Seymour Hoffman's face, P.S. Hoff's face, is outrageous throughout this scene. And it wasn't so much in the first minute. You know, the scene ramps up, and 
he just gets more and more animated, exasperated. Yeah, he's pissed. Like he's in good. his his the expressions like and it goes from like oh i'm so happy to show you this yet i'm kind of confused because i have no idea what could possibly be happening in this room right now to like just utter utter betwixtment consternation yeah well when the dude is like oh you know different mothers and he's like oh no like like you know like his voice doesn't but his face does that right Yes. Like, it, yes. It's just un, yeah, unbelievable. And then, you know, but also think about it, right? Because this is giving me this window into Brant, right? And just, I never appreciated just how weird this is, right? I never put myself in Brant's shoes. Because here he is, you know, he has his nice little tidy life. <laughs> and this dude walks in, right? And at first, he's kind of like rolling with it. Like, oh, let me show you the blacks. But it's just, yeah, it just starts to, like, you know, I think he starts to get kind of worried. Like, is this guy going to kill me, maybe? <laughs> like, I'm not sure what's happening here. You know, I have some sympathy for Brant in this scene that I never really, maybe not sympathy, but like empathy, you know, that I never really experienced before. Yeah, we kind of danced around that subject last time, I think, like, or maybe it was a couple times ago, but people like Walter and the dude, we think we know them, and people like that, but really we don't. And if they waltzed into our life, we would probably be, like you said, we, we would all of a sudden understand <laughs> what Brandt starts to go through. Here. Right, yeah. And like yeah. Within the first 60 seconds of interacting with this man, he has called his boss a cripple. He has said... Oh, different mothers, so racially he's pretty cool. He's touched all of the... Th- like right. He's violated every social contract that viol- Brian holds dear. Yeah, he starts violating the hole in that shoe, right? Right. right. And he's like, excuse me, excuse, excuse me. me. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> he can't take it. No, that's enough to break his yeah. world in half. Just yeah. someone keeps touching it. You think he has room for one more? Oh, oh, you never went to college. (laughs) I did. Right. Tell you the truth, I don't remember much of it. (laughs) Tie stick and occupying administration buildings. Yes. Breaking into the ROTC. And bowling. What was he doing in there, do you think? Well, I think, again, that was just part of the, like, you know, protesting, right? ROTC, you know, it was Vietnam era. I don't know exactly the details of what, you know, the, the, the hippies, if you will, did when they did get into the ROTC. But even back then, he was bowling. This is a long love affair of the dudes. That's true. He does say bowling. Um, real quick on a sadder note. I did point this out to you before, but uh, this happened a little while ago. But a um, 60-ton whale got washed up on the shore. In yes. Queens, and it was alive for a while, maybe a day. But then it did finally die. Yeah, that is a sadder note. Uh, It's just emaciated and thin, and it's very sad to look at. But, you know, we said we would keep our eyes open for 
whales because of the whale yeah. and the dude's check. It's a whale story I saw, so I uh, made a note of it. There it is. Yeah. Um, it looks it looks strangely like the whale on the dude's check. Right, and what did you call that? A fin whale. It's a, a fin whale. All right, luckily, all right, I'm going to, I believe we have a shot of this. There we are at the gutterballs.tv website. There's a picture for episode four with a picture of the whale oh, on the, the check. check. That's right. Yeah, and so now I'm looking at this so, fin whale oh, pictures. Yeah. Look at And I have to yeah. say, there is, yeah, that's a fin whale. I think it's a fin whale. I think that marine biologist was full of shit. I think you're right. <laughs> Did you check her papers? No, I found her on Craigslist, man. That's a finback whale. Is it a finback whale? Or just a fin whale. Oh, sorry, fin whale. Or is fin that? Whale. Or is that another thing? No, fin. Sorry, right, I'm here. Let's see. Okay, I, found I was thinking a pretty good. Back. But the fin, that's the whole thing. The yeah, the fin whale, is way back there. Way back. And yeah, it still has it, that giant, like, bottom jaw thing. Right. And the shape and the way the... Be yeah, without a doubt, I would now clear to say that is a fin whale on the fin dude's whale. check. It is not a blue whale. It Which is a fin whale. Which makes it even more curious that they would have a set of checks with a uh, fin whale on them. The, the second largest whale. Yeah. I mean, the fin whale is just more suitable to a check with its long, skinny body with the fin way back there. I, I guess it's a nice framing. You know, you yeah. don't want the fin right up front like Yeah, that. I mean, if it was a blue whale, like they probably made them with blue whales and they were like, you know, this. they probably made it, you know, the whale collection. Here's the blue whale. Here's the fin whale. Obviously, when they saw it put together, the fin whale looked much better. And that's what then, even after the whale collection was done, that run was done they decided okay we're going to keep it going but you know we're just going to pick one whale from the whale collection as kind of the token whale in our large right. arsenal checks and they picked the fin whale because it looked the best on the check it'd be like if they released a uh, 25 year anniversary of lucky charms but they could only choose one marshmallow or something out of all of the fantastic ones it would be the green horseshoes oh and without a doubt have, that's just going to be it it's a leprechaun it's uh, Lucky Charms. You're going to have the horseshoe. Without a doubt. Yeah, fin whale. So we've put to bed another mystery. That's two. Two mysteries in one episode. I mean, we're that's a nice mystery to minute ratio. It is. We are, uh, we're smoking. <laughs> smoking tie sticks. Back to audio for a second? Yes, yes. So if you listen to this, the, they have birds. There are birds, just a cacophony of birds chirping outside. Chickadees, tufted titmice, uh, robins, blue jays, uh, canaries, who knows what out there, just birds. Sparrows, songbirds, mockingjays, birds. They keep them relatively subdued, like level-wise, but you can tell that there is just, there's like a heavenly chorus of birds outside. It's like it's a beautiful spring day. The birds are chirping. 
And is this to, because we came into this scene from the you know, mythic landscape of urban Los Angeles, the bowling alley. Cut. Mm -hmm. Now we're in the affluent area and it's birds chirping outside. They have some like aviary in their back garden or something. Nothing's done accidentally, you know? It's like, okay, I want there to be the, this chorus of birds outside, just in the background. That's a choice. You have to wonder why. Why is that a choice? What, what made them want to have this chorus of songbirds? Not even songbirds, just birds. Singing birds. But why, I beseech you. I mean, I imagine, you know, they... they, 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 they shoot the scene, cut it together, and, you know, they probably add that kind of stuff all the time. Like, I didn't notice it. I don't know if I even can. I'm going to have to, like... Got to be quiet. I keep yapping. Pump the volume up here, but, like... Take your five seconds, ten seconds, and listen to this. I don't hear any birds. Is it only in the beginning part? No, right, right at eleven oh eight. Even you got to pump that volume, but you can hear it. I have it. Actually, I can pump it a little more. I don't. Oh, I heard a little bit of one right there. Maybe, maybe a, a heavenly chorus of birds was exaggerating. But the, oh, oh. There's a lot. They slam through. Maybe it's not thousands. It's, you know, it's a handful. Right about at 11 even. 11 colon zero zero. There's a bunch there for a moment. Right. A bunch. There is a cacophony there. Okay. So I wasn't overstating too much. Not too much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so subtle. It's so quiet that how many times have I watched? I mean, geez, 30 times? That's probably the 28th time. Which was maybe twenty seventh. First time I watched it without watching. I just listened to it. It's like birds. So, so, so your statement is that these birds were added in later. Oh, absolutely. They were not on the scene. They randomly no. some birds flew by wherever they were recording this. Are they recording this in an actual room of some house, or do they just build this set? I think they're recording this in an actual room of some house. But the birds are there no matter what shot, and it's like, you can hear those birds. The sound recordist hears everything. They can't have those birds there. They would have had somebody out there shooing them away or something. Right. So the, so I guess that's what I was thinking about before was like, yeah, so the sound recordist hears everything. Oh, yeah. But there's someone else who's like kind of the obverse of that who's listening to the silence and filling it correct two they 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 put in the birds very subtly like i don't i'm yeah without concentrating and pumping it up like yeah i don't hear it it's just a just a little atmosphere thing so subtle they probably watched it and was like you know the scene's working. I think Phil and Jeff did a good job, but it's like it seems empty somehow. 
Well, you know, they're up in this garden, this mansion with gardens. Maybe we need to hear some of the outside to contrast it from, you know, heavy traffic and, you know, crowds of people. This is like in L.A., but birds are chirping. Where in L.A. can you go and just hear birds chirping and that's it? So you know they're well off. So it adds to the sort of mystique and uh, whatever, legend of not legend, but uh, the intimidation factor of the big Lebowski, Jeffrey Lebowski. Yes, the titular Lebowski. The what? The titular Lebowski. Yes, yes, the titular. T- titular? Is that what you said? Titular? Titular, as in having to do with the title. With the title, but... Although, t- isn't... Titch or tit, tit, titular? 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 T- I don't know. Titular. <laughs> Titular. Although, T- so they refer titular. to the guy in the wheelchair as the Big Lebowski. I think perhaps only once in the movie. But I still feel as if uh, the dude is the titular Lebowski, though, no? I mean, he's truly the Big Lebowski, even if the other guy is yes, literally yeah, the he, Big Lebowski. Right, he is the titular Big Lebowski. The dude. Definitely. We're, uh, the first time you watch it, you're not sure, you know, t- 11 minutes in, which one is the titular Lebowski. Right, you, you know, don't even know how many Lebowski's the, the there's going to be. Movie, he turns into some 40-foot-tall giant, bazooka-proof. Right. So. But I would say, yeah, the dude is the titular Lebowski. At this point, you don't know how many Lebowskis there could be because it you know, started with Lebowski, they added another Lebowski. There could be a third Lebowski. Like, if they just could keep rolling. You don't know at this point. It could be an evolutionary scale type graphic where they go very small and they get bigger and more human like. There could be a whole series of them. One more developed than the next or the last. I think it would be more like some kind of. Lebowski Mobius strip where it would like start with mm. the achiever in the wheelchair and then morph into the slacker smoking the tie stick and then yet somehow at the end end back up as the as the achiever and that's like the cycle of Lebowski that would be more like Lost Highway then true so although if he turned into like a 40 foot tall Lebowski that would be like Crank 2 <laughs> I have not seen that yet. I keep meaning to. It's good. I'm a fan. I know you are. I'm a fan of the first one, surprisingly. This uh, so there you go. So you got to see the second one then. Yeah, no, I liked it. It's like the second is... one does not if you're a fan of the first one, the second one does not disappoint. Pleasantly surprised with that. I every night I just wish a little wish that they, you know, the stars can align and there can be a Crank 3. <laughs> that would probably be Crank 3D. Right. Because what else can you do with Crank 3 other than add a D to it and just make it totally awesome? Well, I'm glad you mentioned 3D. So I saw The Hobbit. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to get, get into this. All right. Yes. I saw The Hobbit. I saw it in 3D high frame rate. All right. You just poured on all the sauce there. I just, 
All you went of for it. all the gravy. Chicken and beef. I, I it wasn't IMAX. I don't know if well, that would have been the turkey. IMAX. That would have been the turkey. Yeah. So but it was three D high frame rate. I don't I don't like three D. Nor do I. I don't mind the effect they're going for, and sometimes it's pulled off to great effect, and it makes me experience the movie more viscerally. Sometimes. That happens once in a while. But what I find happening more often than not is I'm looking at the 3D, and there was a shot, no spoilers here to speak of, but there was a shot in uh, Rivendell and they're, you know, they're dollying around this waterfall and there's this council going on. So there's like people and, well, people, that's important. People on this cliff in the background though. So they're small in the background and a waterfall right up front, you know, and the 3D was working so that it looked like the waterfall was right in your face and they're kind of moving around it. And you see the people in the background, you know, and the perspective, the parallax is changing and that's okay and all. The, I think that's the desired effect they're going for. But what my mind thinks and translates that as, it just looks like tilt shift photography almost. Or, or okay. like it macro. So instead of this expansive environment this expansive experience that just opens everything up and makes it like even more like you want to fall into it what it does in my mind is actually like like shrink it down like compress it down to like tiny little area like you're in a two inch by two inch square area with tiny little miniatures and you have the world's like most extreme extremely tiny depth of field camera and you're shooting these tiny little things so it actually instead of expanding the movie like shrinks it down and compresses it in a way that i don't find appealing well that's like the reality of the situation though right because you're taking this image of this expansive huge area but in reality it's just this small screen in this relative to the huge expansive area you know nature fantastic scene you're looking at a relatively small little box you're in right and so if this is like you know more detailed you know you're 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 seeing it more i don't know it's like it's like you're seeing okay so you see these people but it's less impressionistic right you can actually see all the little details so i'm imagining right now like you said like the little people on the cliff and you can see like the folds in their clothes and the texture and everything else, but they're so tiny. But exact, I, I can totally. I have no idea if in reality it's what you experience, but in my mind, like it makes total sense, right? That if you could see all these little people and all this detail, but like in reality, you really are just looking at a tiny, tiny image of a person. Even though, you know, they're far away, but the yeah. screen is so huge, like they might actually be. Like six feet tall. <laughs> right, is right. What, what sure. is the screen? Like 20, 20 feet? I don't know how tall, yeah. but, but I, it, like the, yeah. I, I don't understand why it's so... Well, I'm thinking, so maybe the people wasn't the best example, like the waterfall, right? So this waterfall, it looks like it's there in front of you, right? But really, between you and the screen is only however many feet. 100 feet, 200 feet. It, quite a bit. 
not, not the six inches that they're trying to portray. Right, and not the yeah, not like the huge amount of the of this waterfall. Yeah, it's there's something there's something about it that, and maybe this is common, but that my mind doesn't accept. E- even just when I sink in and I forget, I'm not analyzing it. You know, I'm an hour in, I'm two hours, whatever. And I'm just in there, like, every once in a while, it'll just be like, slam. I'm looking at little Lego people, like tiny little Lego people. They're in this little little diorama, you know, they're in a terrarium, and we're just shooting them. It, you know, that happened in Prometheus, too, which was not high frame rate. It's just 3D. It's weird. So anyway, that's all peripheral. The high frame rate. Yes. So it is weird. It is weird. Okay. The Hobbit starts out, um, some of the early scenes are of Bilbo walking around in his little Hobbit hole there writing this letter. And it's the slow scenes especially, and maybe it's just because they were toward the beginning and I wasn't used to it, but it's like, it's almost like <laughs> things are moving faster than they should, or it, it is kind of soap opera-y, but not even that, like extreme, like an extreme version of that. And it really just brings you out of it and just smacks you in the face, and you're, you're almost, you're on the verge of saying, this might be stupid, this might be dumb, this might not look good but then it's like they get her and then you forget about it and then every once in a while I'll smack you in the face yeah I think like, this kind of looks stupid again yeah I think where it really shows is whenever the camera pans or if there's any shots that might have involve a change of focal length is where it really or maybe even a dolly I don't know I didn't notice that but I think the pan there's something to the panning yeah. Or or alternately if you know the camera's locked down, a totally static shot, everything in the background is static, like nothing's moving and someone just walks into the frame. That looks weird too. It's it, like it's like the contrast between a moving thing and a very still thing right. in the background. It kind of looks like they're in like you're kind of like they're on a blue screen or something. That's not quite that's, that, but it's not just, quite that. It's just weird, though. It's just weird. It's it's off-putting, um, and it doesn't take an hour. But it, I will say that it takes about two hours, and for the most part, that does go away, and you're left thinking that this is a different experience. It is a different experience. And, you know, maybe everything will eventually switch to that. And when people go back, you know, 20 years from now, someone born today, 20 years from now, they decide to watch The Big Lebowski, and they're like, why is this all blurry? Right. Could like, be. Wh- why is everything blurry? And how come whenever there's, like, you know, things are going in of focus and out of focus, and how come the, yeah, how come whenever the camera tilts, it just becomes a blur, and I can't see anything... What 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 the hell? How did people watch this? <laughs> Could be. Could be. It's like watching 
the film print, I don't know if you watched this, we obtained a film print of three days of the condor. You know, it's on 16 millimeter film. And, you know, it was whatever, 20 years old at that point. And we had a 16 millimeter projector, we put it in and it was just like red, like everything, <laughs> it was just all red. Yeah, but that was because the film was old. The film had degraded, but I don't know. It's just old, old technology. No, but you're right. This wouldn't actually change. It would look the same either way, but yeah, I don't know. It was weird, and I think that seeing it that way, I still believe that that is the direction you have to go just because it's better. No, it is better. Yeah, more information, but it. I'm more, more in is the not camp better, of though. not liking it now. More is not better, though, is it? Not always. Not always. I think there might be something to your uh, dreamlike state idea. Yeah, or just like impressionistic filmmaking. Like, it's just like yeah, if you were like used to like looking at paintings. And then all of a sudden there's like a photograph, right? Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, it's a... That's a good example. That's a real good example. Even if it was the most realistic, like, portrait you've ever seen painted, and then someone took a photograph of the same person sitting there. You know, a child right. might... A two-, three-year-old child might not notice any difference between them, maybe. Maybe they would. Maybe on some emotional level, they would actually notice a greater difference. Well, I'll tell you what. So, talking about paintings, right? I had the opportunity when I was in college to visit Europe briefly. Mm -hmm. Never been. And, you know, I guess the fact that it's in Europe isn't that important to the story. But I did go to see, you know, some of these famous art museums. And the Louvre. I wasn't in the Louvre, but I was in um, some places in Spain. A place in Madrid, I believe. I, anyway, I hear Madrid's beautiful this time of year. I saw some. I saw. Some of these paintings, like, you know, the, okay, here's classic works of art. Mm -hmm. And some of these things were, they were painted so realistically, it wasn't even like it looked like a photo. It looked like it was really there. Hmm. Like there was a suit, like a guy in a suit of armor actually standing there. <laughs> it was very, very bizarre. Well, like, I never experienced that. Like, and it's something that I don't think, like, if you get a reproduction of it or, like, oh, you look at the picture in a textbook, you don't get that feeling. Because then they're taking a photo of a painting. So you're introducing yeah. more barriers to the experience. Right. And, like, the photo of it just looks like, okay, it's, it's a really realistic picture of some guy or, you know, to be honest, no, no, no people look this way. But it was, like, you know, still lifes of things, right? There was one where it was kind of like this, like, you know, glass, kind of like chi fine china kind of bowl, right? And it just looked real. It was like <laughs> there was actually that bowl sitting there. Hmm. Like it was a hologram somehow. It, it made no sense. It was like the fact, it was weird. It was like you put a bowl and then 
put a frame behind the ball. Right. People do that kind of wacky shit sometimes, you know, yeah. and it throws your mind all off. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it was better than a photograph, right? Well, think about it because the resolution of paint is infinite, more or less. Uh, here we so, go with this resolution and infinity again. Is paint. What's the resolution? Molecules, man. Atoms. The resolution well, of a photograph is limited by the number of pixels on the sensor or on the piece of film. Yeah. The, the celluloid. Paint, though, What's it's molecules. I mean... And the stroke of the brush and how they're blended. Yeah, like, exactly. And how but much... you can't... You can't determine, no matter how close you get, that's what people look at, too. Right. You can't see individual units of the painting. Right. I don't think it has to do with the... Say it. It has to do with the resolution, quote-unquote, as much as it just has to do with... Like capturing the perspective of light if that makes any sense well see now you're going back to seeing the light yeah it has something to do with that like because even if i paint it right like or, or you know, have a photo that was really high quality like you know, i can't just put it in a room and people like oh yeah there's actually a tree in the uh, uh, there on the wall you know how do you do that it has to do, and like, you know, the light. It's just organic, like your mind, again, with like the yeah. 3D, like it senses there's like a blasphemy or a falsehood that, that senses something wrong. And the paint is somehow less wrong than the photo. The photo is clearly a 2D, but the paint has actual Z depth to it. It has depth. Maybe not much, but. You know, there are humps and valleys, more paint, less paint. So maybe it's just that little bit of depth that does it. And the infinite resolution. But. The other thing about the audio, Brad, is that when they're close, I forgot to mention this, when they're close to them, the dude and Brant, there's not as much echo, but during the wide shot, it's very echoey. And that's another effect that the sound designer had to, he had to do. I think you gotta go back to a- And was that done in post or was that done on oh, yeah. set? Post. They don't, you don't have like sound reflectors? Sound reflectors? The same way you have like light reflectors, bounce the light, bounce the sound, craft the sound there. In the space, I guess not. Not really. And I've never heard of that, but now when the dude is walking towards us, it's like at eleven forty-six. That could just be a case of the boom being closer to the dude, because all Brant is doing is going mm-hmm. But even when he does that, it's very echoey. So that could just be a case of the boom, the actual boom mic being closer to the dude. So you're getting more of Brant's. Uh, sound reflections off all the walls and stuff. That could be that. But another thing, so around, and this happens, man, so 
early. You wouldn't believe it. Stand by. Standing by. At 11.45, you can begin to hear the electronic, the electric wheelchair of Jeffrey Lebowski approaching from outside. Get out of here. Yes, 11.45. There's another thing I noticed when I just listened to it and didn't watch it. Telling you, all kinds of things. Sometimes I just turn the TV off and just have the receiver on and just listen to the sound. See, I sometimes do the reverse. I've never really done that. Like, I will go and be... Like, as if you watch without the sound on, things can start to get pretty freaky. Oh, yeah. You start to notice the nuances of people's expressions and all kinds of bizarre, like, things. Camera movement. Right, and then put other, just put some other sound to it, and then you have a whole new experience. Yeah. All right, I'm going to listen now to hear this chair. Huh. There it was. You're right. <laughs> I mean, so what's that? 14 seconds before he actually comes in the door, they start bringing in his... Yeah, it's, it gets louder. He comes in, yeah. Louder, louder. And the doors, I want to say that, again, I wouldn't have noticed. I should have. Even just watching it, you should notice. But the doors are like electric doors. They open. They're automatic doors. He presses a button and they open. Of course they are. Right, he can't of open. They them, are. You know. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Never really paid attention to it. Right. So well, it just goes by so quickly. It's like, oh, the door opened. He came through. Right. And he's got a little remote control in his hand. He probably uses the remote. <laughs> Opens his doors. And not only that, one other thing I noticed was when. The dude is fingering the shoe plaque. Mm-hmm. The last time he fingers it, I think they put a little sound in. Like he fingers it pretty hard, hard enough for it to bang off the wall a little bit. Is it a bang or is it a squeak? Like I would imagine a squeak. Now it's it's like a little, uh, not even a bang, like a ta 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 ta, like a really quick. It's so subtle. It's right at eleven forty. Just a little thing just to make Brant really hunch his shoulders up and get irritated. And it doesn't match the the motion of what the dude is doing. Like he's just taking his finger and kind of rubbing the hole a little bit. But they put it like he tapped it almost and the plaque banged off the wall a couple times, two, three times. Two tree, a couple two tree times. Da-da-da. Very subtle. And then, of course, that all leads into the iconic shot right? of the dude looking into the mirror that says, man, time man of the year, are you a Lebowski achiever? Yeah, so that has, are you a Lebowski achiever on it? I still think it's a tchotchke, though, and you could just customize it with... You know, put your own text mm. in that little uh, diagonal white well, you know, area there. Or he he made it. Maybe he just made it. He had it commissioned. Well, yeah. Well, he you know, if there is this Lebowski Urban Achiever Fund or whatever, you know, they probably, you know, it's like a marketing piece or something. They'd have to get sign-off from Time, wouldn't they? I mean, it's a pretty notorious 
a well-known charity, time's okay with him. Maybe, or maybe, you know, one, it's better to uh, ask forgiveness than permission. Maybe that's it. Just figure you're not going to, like, come down on a charity that helps urban children get a higher education. The M in time looks really funky. I never Isn't noticed how funky that M is. Like, it's kind of wide. And it's, it's wide so in the middle. So pointy. See, so yeah, wide in the middle. Yeah. And the, right now, the way, like, at the shot I'm at, the way it's, like, just rests on the dude's forehead, almost like little horns coming out of his head. Oh, it does look like that. It's creepy. Yeah. It's a weird M. Yeah, it's such a wide, deep M. You wouldn't think they'd want it to occupy so much of the psychological landscape, that M. I mean, the M is the same size as, like, the T in the I. I think it's wider. It's wider than that. It's wider than the T in the I. By a little bit. Well, and maybe that's just because they had this, like, time didn't make this. Right. You know, his little whatever did it. So the font is like, that's the closest they could find. But maybe that's not the actual time font because any types that are worth their right. weight in gold's going to. Well, I'm looking at it right now. And I would say it's hard to compare, but Yeah, that's going to be hard to compare. Definitely not the same as in the current time, without a doubt. Way off. Way off. Not even close. Now, maybe in 1998, time looked a little different, right? Well, 1991, theoretically. Theoretically, but I'm just going to go with, yeah. Yeah, let's see. If I search for, oh, okay. Yeah, it's definitely changed. So I'm here looking at time. So I did, I just did a little search here. Time Man of the Year, 1998. Steve Jobs. Really? I don't think it was really him. I think someone like mocked this up. Oh. Like someone in 1998 really wanted Steve Jobs to get it and put it together. So you can look up Time Magazine cover September 1991 and look at it. It's not the same, though. It's much closer, though. The one now is, is a lot. The M is way different. Like It's like skinnier on the left side, and it's no none of these letters are anywhere near as thick as on the Lebowski mirror than the current time. You know, they change... They, they, change that typeface i think going back well you know okay if that thing i saw was fake well if you look at the bottom of the m in the time magazine logo from the 90s and who knows i think even up till now the the feet of the m we'll call them on each side they have a horizontal rule basically they have a horizontal piece so the sides of the M come down and its feet are little horizontal areas and this time logo in the Big Lebowski in the mirror has more of like a serif rather than a straight horizontal line it's got a serif it comes to a point so it's different I'll tell you what so I'm looking at 
time.com slash time slash archive. Yeah. And it has, it just shows this like, you know, kind of collection of covers five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And you can see on these covers, you know, how the logo changed over time. And if I go to like, let's say 30 years ago, it matches that pretty closely, actually. And you can see in all of these, in most of all of them, yeah, like this typeface, like it changes over the years. You can see. I would say 30 years ago. But aren't the little feet always there? Well, let me look at the little feet again. I mean, they're there now. So you mean feet versus like a little... On the sides, the bottom of the M. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it hits the bottom. Imagine there's a line across this yeah. mirror. Where the M touches that yes. line. So it touches it in three places. The left side, yes. the middle, and the right side. The middle's a point, so they don't put one there. But on both sides, the left and right sides, in its current iteration, there are rectangles, basically, on the bottom of those feet. And the left side of right, it is right. thinner than the right side. Right, but if you look at the thirty years ago, it doesn't. It does the same thing. Like that's simply the time font from thirty years ago. This was the time font from. Uh, so this is the cover of January tenth, nineteen eighty three. So this movie takes place in like 91, 90. 90 so this cu- this mirror was made you know seven years or previous and the font is right i see no you're right it is right that is how it was they went and put some rectangles on the bottom of their m they changed the font yeah well if you look again at that page the archive every one yeah. there's difference it changes over time it was super funky if you look like back like 60 years ago it's like, I don't know, it almost doesn't even look like English. <laughs> like, things are so hardcore on that. Well, you got, so, but can you, I'm somehow locked in 90 to 91 right now. How does the 90-91 compare to the 98 when this movie was made? Very well, different. not too different. I mean, I can't look at the exact... I'm just looking at roughly in these... these. Well, here, I can find... Okay, find your birthday cover. Okay, so if we say 1998... Let's do January 1st, 98. The cover is... All right, I see that cover. This is compelling. <laughs> and he wants you want me to compare 98 to what? 90, 90, 91. 91. Well, 90 or 90, I don't know. We can't know when he had this mirror made. Ooh, 91. It looks... So I'm looking at the cover, December 31st, 1990, and it is... No, it's exactly that. Yeah. I'm wondering how the 98 one looks. I, I'm like stuck the, the on... The 98 one does not look like that. The 98 one looks closer to the current one. Skinnier, more severe serifs. I guess this was such a featured shot in the movie that they really took care to get the Time logo correct for 
you know, the period in which this was set. Well, so let's let's see, let's compare. So if, what if we so when was this movie shot, would we estimate? I don't remember what month it came out. Probably ninety seven. Late ninety seven. So if I look at yeah, ninety seven it even this is um December thirtieth, nineteen ninety six, it already has the severe the more severe typography. If I go back a year, 96. Severe typography in 96. Newt Gingrich, Person of the Year. In 1996? In, well, December 25th, 1996, yeah. 1995, excuse me. Or was, I don't know, I lost track. Yeah, it was 96. 94, Person, Man of the Year, The Pope, and it has a severe... If I go back 90, let's go back another year. What do we get? What do we got? Um, more or less kind of severe. All right. If I go to 93, yeah, where are we now? December 20th, 1992. Severe logo. It's, non, it's the non-Lebowski mirror font. All right. Let's see now. December 30th, 1991. Yes, there's the Lebowski mirror font. So sometime there between like the end of 91 and the end of 92. Sometime in 1992 it switched to something. I'm not going to say exactly like the current font, but much more in line with that. They had a redesign. They had a little redesign going there. Yeah. So... Not that that wasn't fascinating, but here's one for you. I, I threw out this little nugget to you a while back, but I don't think we ever talked about it. So the dude is loosely based on a real person. Yes. So is Walter. Yes. He's based on the writer-director John Milius. And if you... Look up John Milius on IMDb. Well, god damn it, that's Walter Subcheck yeah. right there. I mean, <laughs> they must have had a picture of this fella in the, you know, dressing room, wardrobe, makeup. It's like you got to make him look exactly like this, except make his glasses more yellow. I mean, that is it right there. He's an avid gun collector. Yep. I just... I, the tendrils of Lebowski influence run far and deep. Films are always pretentious. There's nothing more pretentious than a filmmaker. John Milius. <laughs> Says the filmmaker. Yep. Is that a quote from Milius? Yep. I'm at brainyquote.com. Looking at all the John Milius quotes. Well, and some of the ones he wrote. For instance, go ahead, make my day. Yes. He wrote that. Right. He wrote uh, Apocalypse Now. He wrote the whole, possibly the most famous scene in Jaws where uh, Captain Quint is talking about the USS Indianapolis. Yep. 1,200 men went into the water. However many came out, I mean, 
It's an accomplished, uh, this was a valued, uh, valued, you know, he really tied his movies together. I hardly said a word to my wife until I said yes to divorce. <laughs> you know, class act. Class act. Egotism is not a good quality. It's not something to be admired or even tolerated. It wouldn't be tolerated in a field commander, and it shouldn't be tolerated in a movie director. That's something, if Walter, Chob Walter Sobchak was in the movie business, that's something he would say. I feel. Relating it to totally. military action. He's one of the original founders of Ultimate Fighting Championship. Walter would be in on that. He'd be in on that if he could. Is this movie just some kind of inside joke with the Coen brothers when they took these guys they knew from the film circles and like, okay, we're going to make a movie where you guys are a bunch of like slacker, deadbeat people? Yeah, probably. It's like, you know, if you make your own home movie, you know, and you cast like, you know, your dad and he comes in and tells a lame joke. It's like, ha ha, you know, your family's the only one that's going to find it funny. Maybe that's what they were doing here. It's just big inside joke for all the, uh, you know, Hollywood in the know people. And we're not supposed to get it, so we're laughing at it. Maybe that makes us the fools. Perhaps. Okay, another John Milius quote. I'm a general. I do something. I go out and fight wars and win them. <laughs> well, how about this? He considers himself a, quote, Zen anarchist. Now, if that's not Walter Sobchak, I don't know what is. That's something. A Zen anarchist. He's calm and waving a gun in people's faces. What else do I got here? I'm running... Uh, Brant starts getting angry, but you touched on this. He starts getting angry when he starts talking about the achievers, but I think that's because the dude keeps touching that one uh, shoe plaque. Right. Well, if you just watch, you know, his face throughout the scene, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. He doesn't even look at the dude that much. He's mostly, like, looking away and, like, right. like monitoring his precious babies, his precious blacks. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't one, want to look the dude in the eye too much. Yeah. One thing which I don't really know what to say about, but I feel like it has to go mentioned at least, is how he does stumble over that one line, or, I mean, potentially stumbles over it, where he's like, without the necessary means, the necessary means, he Are says you that twice. insinuating that that's, that wasn't on purpose? Yes. You think that was an accident? Yes, I am. I know heresy to you. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Come on, no. I think they roll that way, right? That's P.S. Hoff at his finest. Perhaps. But sometimes things happen and they work and they're an accident and you leave it in. I mean, that happens. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I don't think that's happening here. He's uh, he's just starting to get flustered, and he's using that. You know, he's playing that off. This is not Philip Seymour Hoffman misspeaking. It's Brandt 
misspeaking. Well, I think P.S. Hoff works on a level where you can't really tell the difference anymore. So like, he becomes right. Brandt. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. But then... P.S. Hoff's brain misfiring is Brandt's brain misfiring, <laughs> and vice versa. If he goes deep enough, I suppose so. It's pointless to argue then, I guess. The, the point is, P.S. Hoff's there delivering these awesome lines and looking with his eyes and his face in the way that only he can. That's what it comes down to. Nobody else would misspeak like that if they did misspeak. So his mistake is possibly as good as many other people's best shot. A guess? Could be. I have more faith in your guesses than most other people's facts. Very good. It's a little Star Trek IV. Mm-hmm. The voyage home. Yep. Refitted by submarine tender Proteus, Sea Dog got underway again on the 29th of November. On the 1st of December, she rendezvoused with submarines Guardfish and Sea Robin to form a coordinated attack group with the commanding officer of Sea Dog in charge of the Wolf Pack. I have a theory as to what's going on. You're systematically closing all your tabs in Google Chrome and you came back to that website that you had looked up. It's like, oh yeah, Sea Dog. That is not actually what happened. Wow. Since we started this, I've had that paragraph highlighted. <laughs> I wanted to break that in at some point, knowing at some point I had to work that in. And I've just been sitting on it for the last hour. Just, oh God, what I gotta say, I gotta put that in there. That's actually all that really happened. <sighs> I've Good old been, sea dog. Uh... <laughs> I've been thwarting you at every turn. If only I'd known. I would have just stopped recording pack. and let you sit on it for another week. Well, I've been sitting on that John Milius business yes. for like a couple episodes yeah. now. I keep right. forgetting about it. Yeah, well, you sent that. Yeah, you emailed that to me, and it blew my mind apart. Because, like, all right, so there's the guy that's the real-life dude, and when you see the little movie about him, it's like, what? Yeah. That's Changes not really the dude. I mean, and then they show some pictures of him wearing, like, the sweaters, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's okay. kind of like there's, it's kind of mm -hmm. him. But this, it's just like IMDb, John Milius. It's like, why did they put a picture of Walter there? That's kind of bizarre. Right. Not even I, John Goodman. Walter. Right, exactly. And then you start reading... <laughs> Like, these quotes from him and everything, and the fact that, yeah, he's, like, into guns, and he wrote the... He, like, popularized guns via Dirty Harry. Right. And he was instrumental in, like, getting Teddy Roosevelt something. It was... Uh, here, let me look that up. He made... Despite making... He just loves Teddy Roosevelt. Let's start it that way. Despite making two films about... Theodore Roosevelt, The Wind and the Lion, and Rough Riders, he considers himself too enamored with Roosevelt to ever make an actual biographical film about his life. So, and through his work on Rough Riders, he was instrumental in causing President Theodore Roosevelt to be posthumously awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for acts of conspicuous gallantry on San Juan Hill. That is a bit of trivia about John Milius, the basis for Walter Sobchak's character. It says here, 
his self-styled Zen art, Zen anarchist slash American samurai persona made him stand out in Hollywood. Turned down the role of Jack Lipnick in Barton Fink, which I can only assume is John Goodman's character. That's now, now they're Cohen brothers. Yeah, they're Cohen. Yeah, exactly. They love their John Goodman. Maybe had he accepted that role, we would know John Milius as Walter. Maybe he would have been playing himself in this movie, basically. Maybe they never would have been hooked up with John Goodman, because he's one of their staples. That's true. Starting no. Barton. No, no, no. no. John Raising Goodman goes Arizona. by Raising Arizona. That's right. right. That's right. But they weren't so enamored with him that they didn't consider John Milius for their next movie. So. Well, we don't know that. What 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 character was that? Uh, well, maybe it wasn't the same one. It was, uh, I don't know the movie well enough. But what was the name of the character that you just the, said? The name of the character was um, Jack Lipnick. Jack Lipnick was not John Goodman's character. Oh, there we go. Hmm. They would have been both in the movie together. What kind of madness would have ensued then? Jack Lipnick was Michael Lerner's character, which... He uh, was in Godzilla in 1998. An elf. He's in Elf. Elf. Oh, he's the head of the publishing company in Elf. Right. Well, he has that kind of like... Um... I mean, am I getting confused? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's like that kind of like you know, booming from the desk. He's almost like I, the. I want to um, say he was the in the Proxy too. No, you know what he was in? I'll bet you. Was he the ad exec in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Hmm. Ad, what? Hmm. I'm having trouble conjuring this. There was an ad exec in trains, planes, and automobiles. Oh, I mean in the very beginning. Yeah, very, very beginning where he's looking at all the pictures. I don't think he was. But it's the same type of character. He, he, he never booms, but, you know, you're hanging on his word, like, right. oh, please like what I, please don't hurt me. Uh, just in his, uh, he's got you in, yeah. in control. Steve Buscemi Shimmy. Stevie B. Stevie he was B. in uh, Barton Fink. Don't forget. Of course, of course. And the fantastic John Turturro. Yes. So John Milius, if you need any more proof that there's some connection between him and Walter, he wrote and directed Red Dawn. <laughs> right. Which is pretty much like a Walter Sobchak like porn movie. Right. <laughs> right. Sob porn, we call it. Exactly. <laughs> Walt Rodica. <laughs> <laughs> Walt Rodica. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Let's poop deck this mother effer. Poop deck the mother effer. Poop deck it. Alright, poop deck. Poop. Next time on. Gutter balls. Every time a rug is micturated upon in this fair city, I have to compensate the person 